Hello, everyone. Welcome to Beer Cake. I'm your host, JJ Co. And today, my guest is Richard Nelson Cho. He's a founder, owner, and GCM of One Love Capital LLC, a social equity fund committed to raising double bottom line uh, oriented companies that prior that prioritize mission. Okay, I think I read that correctly. <laughs> Sorry, I'm you got it totally right. I'm reading totally this. Right. <laughs> He's also the uh, host of the podcast on YouTube, Twitch, and Instagram and Facebook called Zen Places. Uh, where he shares the Zen places that calm his crazed mind. And on that note, I could totally agree. Um, I mean, we could totally get into that if you want, in terms of like our crazy minds. But anyway, uh, I'll let you get started. I think you have a bunch of things you want to share with us. Well, first, JJ, I just want to say thank you so much for inviting me on. Um, this, is, um, this has been a lot of fun, just even getting ready for and watching you with your other guests. And um, just please keep me in line. Is all I ask. Like oh, I'm yeah. gonna go. You're, you're gonna tell you know, like you give me the go signal. I'm just gonna go. You can just rein me in, steer me, push me wherever you want. And uh, I just want to make sure that um, you know that basically uh, we can have a fun time. Yeah, yeah. And that's a, that's what it's all about. It's about conversations wherever it takes us. Um, I mean, I'll I'll jump in every once in a while. I have no no qualms about interrupting you. So <laughs> I, I've I've noticed that. <laughs> That's a that's a weakness of mine. I need to I need to. No, that's not a weakness, sister. You're from Queens, like I'm from Queens, and it was just how we are. We're just made in Queens. It's okay. <laughs> it took me a long time to be comfortable with that. You know that question, like, you know, where are you from? Yeah. That question always like. I struggle with that question always, because um, there's so many levels to it. Sure, sure. Um, I think depending on the context. Yeah, well, usually people mean like, "Where's your skin come from?" <laughs> Only in the U.S. When I was oh, uh, it's true. You notice when you are traveling, if you say you're from the U.S., they don't question you. They don't go know where you're really from. No, I've had that from I've had that experience there too, though. Really? Okay. Yeah. Um, no, no, they're like, no, no, where are your parents from? You know. That's funny. I mean, when you're traveling. Well, when I was traveling outside the U.S., I never got that question, know where you're really from or where your parents from, unless the topic of conversation was specifically about ethnicity. Hmm. Then that question came up where, you know, hmm. what's your ethnicity or something to that effect. And I said, you know, I'm Korean. But otherwise, I always said I was from either I would say I'm from the U.S. or I'm from yeah. New York. And and it didn't really go any further than that. It wasn't until I came back to the US. Yeah. I, I, I have a, a dear old friend, um, Amal, who actually uh, runs this um, like tech startup. It's kind of a big deal. But like he, he and I are same year and he went to Stye and I went to Hunter. You know, so we kind of past diverged a little bit. Uh, we met back together when we were at McKinsey together. And the way he answers this question is like, hey, I'm from Queens. And like, you know, in the end, it's actually a really good answer because Queens itself, like if you want to travel the world, you don't need to go anywhere. You just go to Queens and open oh, your yeah. fucking mind because <laughs> there's 200 plus languages there. It's yeah. the most diverse place in the world. And then what's nice about Queens is like, it's not a melting plot. It's a mosaic, right? Mm -hmm. You get each community in their own spot, in their own areas. And you go there, you get great authentic community food 
probably at like higher health quality standards than if you went to their than the actual country. But what's more is that um, y'all y'all have to get along, right? Like in Queens, you got to look out for each other because it's um it's fucking rough. And so, um, the reason why I really like that Queens answer now is because you're still saying you're from New York, mm-hmm. right? Like I mean, we're from New York City. People ask where we're, we're from NYC. But we're from actually, I believe, the best part of NYC, right? The part where, if you can be open-minded, um, you can learn to value the, the the real gift that is diversity, right? I mean, just slight tangent, but in investing, you know, I studied investing under under Ray Dalio or Bridgewater. The most important thing you can do in investing is diversify. Diversification is like the one free lunch, which literally means like. If one investment zigs, the other one zags. And like, that can sound painful, right? Like, why would I do that? Like, I'd rather have the zig than the zag, right? If the zag goes down and the zig is up, things you don't know which one will zig or zag. Right. But if you have a basket, right? If you have a basket, then you can create a portfolio that has what's called a higher ratio of risk to return, right? And so in other words, a higher, either information ratio or sharp ratio, depending on what, on what you're talking about. So, um, yeah. So in investment, it's really the diversification investment is about risk management. Uh, or is it? Sure. Okay. Sure. So, I mean, like that's a very deep statement. So yes, yeah. in a very, very, very deep, deep, deep way, that's totally true. But um, the risk, what is the risk? The risk is like, you don't hit your goals. Yes. Yes. That's absolutely true. I guess you could right, like, also so, say it, sort of a flip side is it's uh, optimizing your return is a more maybe positive way. Or well, they're both the same. They're actually both the same. Like you, mm-hmm. you, markets are no free lunch. There's a whole bunch of hungry sharks in markets and they're all there to eat your money, right? And if you don't know oh, what yeah. you're doing, you're going to get eaten, right? So listen, if you don't know, if you're on Robinhood right now, y'all should probably stop. Yeah. Buy a basket of index funds. Anchored around the SPY, the S&P 500, and like call it a fucking day, because we can talk about more complex things, but you gotta understand fundamentals, or you won't have much fun. So um, you could the, also the book on this, by the way, is um, Burton yeah. Malkiel, Random Walk Down Wall Street. And random. So before you, a random walk down Wall Street by Burton Malkiel, M-A-L-K-I-E-L. He won the Nobel Prize for this, and he should have. Right. And so I think you want to know about price. But anyway, you should read the book mm-hmm. uh, before you invest a single dollar into Robinhood. Well, just a quick note about Robinhood. You can buy index funds on Robinhood. No, if you're going to do that, go to this company called Wealthfront. There's another company called Betterment. Wealthfront, W-E-L-T-H-F-R-O-N-T. I believe Burton is on the uh, board there. Right. Like there are smarter ways for you to invest. They're not sexy. But there's smarter ways for you to invest on both Betterment and Wealthfront. I like Wealthfront better because they're more grounded in the right ideas, whereas Betterment is a little bit is trying to be a little bit too much to everyone. So, mm. uh, but I would definitely highly recommend Wealthfront. In fact, if you guys want, I'll send you a link. And every time okay. you send them the link, I get money. But like, even if you don't take the link, go to Wealthfront. It's better. No, send me the link. I'll put it in the description when I post this. Um, cool. we- but you should be on Wealthfront first. Only if you actually know what the fuck you're doing, you should take a little bit of your risk and then put it onto Robinhood and then go crazy. But like, you know, be thoughtful. 
Yeah, yeah. Um, well, I, I think uh, I'm not sure if this is what, what you know what you wanted to talk about, but we could probably have a whole other episode just oh, about. Oh, we could. Yeah, we, we should could. do that. We should do that because you know I um I got a CFA. You know, like I, I did not know that. I know you. You worked in uh, analyst. chief. No, CFA is um, certified financial yeah, analyst. I think. Chartered. It's actually chartered. Oh, okay. I mean, I, I know just because I took the stupid exam. No. Three of them. <laughs> I, I think I was saying certified because I was going off a of CPA. <laughs> you no, know, CPA is certified. Yeah. Something. Public accountant. accountant. Public accountant, right? Yeah. But CFA is very different. It's actually like there are all sorts of ways in which it's different. I'm not even supposed to use it as a noun. I'm only supposed to use it as a verb or some other BS like that. Like there's a very, there are very specific rules about how I'm supposed to use it. Uh, but what I'll tell you is the way that I passed was um, is three exams, and it's somewhat hard. Um, I remember I did it when I was 35, and I remember thinking like, I'm not really built to study anymore. This is going to be the last <laughs> exam I take in a while. Um, and so, but the thing is like, um, I answered every question except bond math. Bond math is bond math, no matter where you go. But every question outside of bond math, I answered the opposite answer of what I knew to be true from my time at Bridgewater. Interesting. Which is to say, my understanding of the conventional wisdom is that most of the conventional wisdom is wrong, except yeah. the difference is I learned it at a place that has track record, mm. right? So like they know what the fuck they're actually doing. And I actually have, having been in that engine for four years, I believe in their method. Is it that the conventional wisdom is wrong or yes. it's not always right? Uh, well, yes. I mean, you know, we used to say at Bridgewater, being early on a trade is the same as being wrong on a trade because you lost money. Oh, I see. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like it's the markets are brutal. You're either right or you're wrong. Yeah. Like you have an idea. It's literally like science. Like, you know, I'm actually a scientist in my heart. Right? Like I studied physics and math at NYU. I studied astrophysics at Harvard and astronomy, early, user, early universe observation of cosmology. So I'm really a scientist, right? And so all I do is I put an experiment in and then I get an answer, yes or no. Put an experiment, get an answer, yes or no. Markets are perfect for that, right? You have a hypothesis, you mm -hmm. test an idea, you put a little bit of risk on, and it's, the markets will tell you, hey, stupid, you got it wrong, or wow, you're a genius, you made a, ton, a shit ton of money. Oh, yeah. So Wall Street is actually um, pretty, um, you know, well, well, it's common knowledge that um, Wall Street hires a lot of engineers, a lot of mathematicians. Yeah. yeah you know, actually, that. in my physics program, I'm sorry, my, astro my astronomy program at Harvard, the number one employer outside of academia was um, Jim Simon's Renaissance Fund. Uh, for the for those of you that are in your audience, understand Renaissance. Renaissance is the best. Like you know, there are there are better places in finance, and there are worse places, and then there's the best. And Renaissance is the best. They exactly. they charge fees of five yeah. percent plus forty four, five plus forty four. In other words, their fees are five percent of your net assets every year, and forty four percent of your performance, and still. Wow. Their only money in there is at like normally hedge funds charge two and twenty. These guys charge five and forty-four. And then today, the only money that's in there belongs to Jim Simons and his employees. <laughs> like that's all they have capacity for. And that's wow. the, the important thing to understand is that like most of the good hedge funds that you want access to, they don't they don't want you. 
Yeah. No, that's have capacity true. for you. So yeah. listen, the system is rigged. The game is rigged, right? And so if, you, if you're not understanding that the game is rigged, there's an old saying, right? You walk around the poker table and you always look for like, who's the fool? And if you can't find it, the fool is you. So look, investing is like nothing more than one more sophisticated casino game. Like you look around and uh, if you don't know what the fuck you're talking about, buy Wealthfront, go to Wealthfront, set your target date of retirement, set your target date that you want your kids to go to college and then just set it and forget it. Yeah, those are wise words. Uh, and I wish I had uh, I'm done telling you, like, that. Well, <laughs> let me tell you, uh, I don't want to take up too much of this episode to talk about all the stupid mistakes that I made in 2020. <laughs> <laughs> Sister, but, 2020 kicked all of us in the ass. Either. Oh, yeah. Uh, but I feel like I feel like I knew better. But at the same time, like, um, you know how your your impulse... it's progressive learning. It's progressive learning. It's yeah. Progressive learning. Oh, yeah. No, definitely. Um, yeah. Head knowledge definitely does not. It, it takes time for it to become actual um, experiential knowledge. And you have yes. to be kicked in the butt multiple yes. times before yes. you finally get it. Well, that's why they say never trust a money manager that hasn't gone bankrupt at least twice. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Because the, you don't actually learn risk controls. I mean, you said in the beginning that actually investing is nothing more than the managing risk. And I was like, wow, that's actually deeply true. And so you don't actually know how to do that unless you bust a couple times. Yeah, Ray, it, Ray Dalio has busted at least twice that I know of. Especially in the beginning because you're, you're, so, um, you're so chasing that. Arrogant. You're greedy. arrogant, you're greedy, but greedy. You, it's also like chasing after shiny things. Like, you know, you see well, shiny yeah. things and you're just chasing after it, like almost. Well, that is actually the one thing that I learned in business. Forget about investing, but just business, investing in microeconomics on the corporate side. Focus. Hmm. Deadly important. Like being able to disregard the shiny objects or learn how to put them into a parking lot while you go after the thing that really matters. Yeah. I think it's actually the secret of life focus because at the end of the day, JJ, what are we, you and I? We're spiritual beings trapped in this human existence, right? That will wear away. Um, and with this human existence, all it has is a certain amount of time, literally a certain number of hours left on this earth. Tick, tick, tick. You know, my dad died at 52. My mom died at 51. I'm 44. Oh my gosh. So I got, I'm 52. <laughs> I'm so, well, so no, I'm not saying it's you. I'm saying me because of my parents, like yes. statistically, if you ask it's the doctor roughly how long I have to live, if they go by the textbook, it's seven and a half years. Yeah. And so tick, tick, tick. And then I like to say that it's not time we have left on earth, but to actually focus because a lot of times you're sleeping or you're eating or you're pooping or you're doing whatever you need to do to be in this human existence. And then you have a limited amount of focus left in this world and so then the real question is how are you going to spend that focus that is yeah that is very true um because we do spend an enormous amount of time just on maintaining this physical body eating yeah. sleeping self-care is also yeah. hugely hugely valuable but then you got a certain amount of focus for whatever you want to spend it on like getting yeah. you could you could spend it for getting shit done in this world 
You could spend it on making the world a better place. You could spend it on making your family stronger and healthier. We, but your, your choices, but the limit is actually not money. I don't even think it's time, honestly. It's actually focused. Yes. I, I would I would say I would definitely agree. Um, more valuable than money or anything else is time. It's the right, one because thing the health is wealth, right? Like you would trade yeah. all your money for your health. And really, when you get perfect health, what do you, then you're bored. You got to have something <laughs> to focus on. Why, am I right, sister, or what? Oh, yeah, no, it's absolutely true. I, you know, I yeah. thought, I wonder, though, I think it's the one thing that we, we lack, whether, okay, so money, time, health, right? Uh, no, yeah, wealth, wealth, health, time, if you look at those three things, I think the one thing that we lack more of is the one thing that we are chasing in the moment. So yeah, if you have Maslow's health, hierarchy of needs, right? So right. at the base level, it's like you got to sustain. Yeah. Right. And then as you progress up the pyramid, it gets towards self-actualization. Right. Yeah. And then That's I think model. actually, I think actually beyond that, if you think about his hierarchy needs as not as like a pyramid, but as then like opening up, I think on this upper half is love. Right. Like your ability not just to sustain yourself, but to sustain others yeah. and care for others and grow them. Because I believe that we're social animals. Like we were designed to help each other. I believe in fact that the enlightenment left us, I mean, you know, all the scientific progress, right? Like you read Thomas Kuhn, you, um, you study Hegel. It's always like thesis, antithesis, synthesis, V1, V2, V3. V3 is almost always better. I, you know, just like V1, the first version of something is good. The second version is usually a reaction to the first one. And sometimes it's better, sometimes it's worse. But then V3 usually ties it all together, right? Scientific progress, every, I think everything, product development, everything works this way, right? And so, I'm sorry, I got a little sidetracked. What were we just talking, what did you just say? I don't remember. I'm sorry. <laughs> it, it happens, lit. I call this being lit, like lost in thought. Like sometimes you go down a rabbit hole oh, yeah. and then you're like, oh, this is interesting. And then you kind of circle and you're like, wait a second, which level is there I stop off at? All, all I'm saying is that like, because oh, things work this way. Right. I was saying that you, we tend to, in the moment, we tend to chase after the thing that we don't have as much or we would like more right. of. Yeah. Right. And I was just going through the different levels where I think, yes, right. Maslow's hierarchy means get you to a point where you have self-actualization, but self-actualization is immature. What we need is community actualization, right? Because we exist as social animals, right? And then, you know, I believe the enlightenment was good relative to where we were before, but now it needs to change. We need to get away from the me-centered version of things towards an us and a we-centered version of things, right? And yeah. that is now the synthesis. Yeah, uh, I, I, I agree with you that self-actualization may be the precursor to community actualization. It's the uh, beginning. Um, it's the beginning, yeah. Um, and I think, um, and also I think uh, from, you know, that's that's Maslow's. Um... Can I explain why though? Sure. Because yep. if you skip the steps and you're not, you're, your basic needs aren't being met, right? And then now you're not self-actualized. If you skip those steps and you're like, you're hungry and you're poor, 
and you start now trying to drive change, you're going to do it from a bad place. It's not going to be out of love. It's going to be out of need. Mm -hmm. And then when you get into that view, your world shrinks into a fixed pie. And it's like, where the fuck is my slice? Mm -hmm. yeah. Versus I'm fully actualized. I believe in love. Now I believe the pie can grow. And so even if I have a smaller slice, if it means the pie is growing faster, I'll get more. Our family size, we'll all get more. And as a country, I'm running for Congress. I'm not sure if we mentioned this. No. I'm running for Congress. Yeah, wow. Florida District 27. I um, did not this, know that. Well, this is kind of the thing, right? So as part of what we need to do as a country, I believe, is we need to get ourselves out of the fixed mindset that the pie is fixed. You know, the Statue of Liberty, right? Give me your poor you're hungry that's right? Walt Whitman yeah yeah I mean but it's inscribed yeah right on the base um you're you're tired you're poor yearning to be free when he wrote that how much what was the GDP of America at the time I don't know much 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 lower than it is today right so to say that we as a country can't afford to help others until we can help ourselves is actually wrong like the truth is we can't afford not to because bringing that energy in, you know, immigrants, we get the job done. <laughs> there's, um, yeah, there's, um, wow, there's a lot in there that we could just. I told really you, David, we're going to go deep today. And so I got actually, I have here the meaning of life. There you go. Right. What, why we don't could, we start with that? We could do this, yeah. but we could do anything else. I mean, we could do this, which is my version, which is going to be better. But we have this, which made me cry, like a grown 43-year-old-ass man in the middle of Southeast Asia comes across this tablet in a fucking gift shop. I read this and it made me cry. So you tell me where you want to go, though. I mean, we got, what Let's, time is it now? Um, we got, we got 90, uh, 84, 85 minutes. 85, 84 focus, minutes. A pure now. focus. 85 <laughs> minutes of pure focus. Like, you yes. don't know. I can. We could do whatever, two people that are conceptual we could do whatever the hell we wanted let's start with the poem because what you just said previous to that um there's so many things that we could get into i feel like we'll we'll sort of get lost in it and i want to this will anchor us yes i want to take it one thing at a time um and jj knows before the podcast started i circled around the house like five times looking for this <laughs> and so there's a reason why i thought this would be useful yes let's start there um okay read us the poem and it's perfectly fine if you cry because I've already cried on my podcast multiple times already. <laughs> <laughs> this is your life. Do what you love. Do it often. If you don't like something, change it. If you don't like your job, quit. If you don't have enough time, stop watching TV. If you're looking for the love of your life, stop. They'll be waiting for you when you start doing things you love. Stop overanalyzing Richard Nelson show, JJ Co. Uh, life is simple. This next part blows my mind. All emotions are beautiful, including lust and anger, jealousy. All emotions are beautiful. What? When you eat, appreciate every last bite. I will tell you as COVID, I'm COVIDing right now. So I'm, I'm just over COVID. And so COVID-19, I got 19 pounds during COVID. I started at 165. I ended up at 184. 
Because in the end, COVID it ain't nothing but a bad, 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 bad cold, wicked cold. And so you feed a cold and you starve a fever. And so I didn't have a fever through any of it. So I just fed my face so I could have enough energy for COVID. Uh, but appreciate every last bite. I like I've been appreciating every last bite multiple times uh, an hour. <laughs> Open your mind, your arms, and your heart to new things and people. We are united in our differences. I think it's better said that like there's so much more that brings us together uh, and then pulls us apart if we let it. Ask the next person you see what their passion is. JJ Co. what's your passion? And share your inspiring dream with them, which we'll talk about my dreams. Travel often, getting lost will help you find yourself. Isn't that so true, right? Getting lost somehow allows you to find yourself. I just don't know why that is, but it's true. Some opportunities only come once in a lifetime. You better see, lose yourself in the music. The moment you own it, you better never, yeah, seize those opportunities, seize them. Life is about the people you meet and the things you create with them. So go out, start creating. Life is short. Live your dream, share your passion. Mm. It's pretty good, right? Yeah, no, it's beautiful. Yeah. There's um... there's so much truth in here. Can I just now just talk about how I condensed it? Yes. I believe this to be better. So in thinking about life, L-I-F-E, I think it basically comes down to these four concepts. The first is love. And love, let me explain love, right? Love is, um, the English is imprecise, right? And so I studied Latin and Greek in high school and college. So I, I have access to, I think, some more versions of words. And so um, love is like a, it's like a V9 version of a word, right? Because it, it's actually naturally like, agglomerated a whole bunch of other stuff. But the word I'm thinking about is agape, right? Which JJ, you're familiar with. So I think it means like um, agape love everyone. Agape love is like an unconditional kind of love. So agape love everyone while being grateful and thankful for the shitty love you receive in return. That's really hard. Like I'm living right now with my ex-wife and my daughter and my, they're lovely, lovely people. But like, they don't know me that well. They only seen the personal side of me. They haven't seen me at work. And at work is JJ knows I'm a scary motherfucker sometimes at work. And so they see that and it freaks them the fuck out. And because of that, they wanna be somewhat overbearing in how they love me back. And I have two choices on that. I can be like, what the fuck is wrong with you people? Like, just like, you know, just like back the fuck off. Or I can try my best to be grateful of the, overbearing, somewhat inappropriate, somewhat shitty love I receive in return. And it's really, really hard with family for love, right? But L is for love. I then is for inspire, right? I believe we inspire people by looking at them, by slowing down and really observing them and saying, hey, you know, I've read the Bhagavad Gita, I've read the Quran, I've read pretty much every single major holy text out there right? Because I'm always searching for what is true. Like I actually was a, JJ, I think you may know this, but I was an atheist until I was 18. Yeah, I think so. I knew that. Yeah. And it wasn't until right before my dad died in a car accident that somehow God grabbed me and said, wait the fuck up. I'm real. I'm here. 
um, through the guy, Richard Craven. Remember Dr. Richard Craven, JJ? I don't remember, no. He was an amazing professor at Westminster and he had such a great ministry until he cheated on his wife and that got into scandal. Hmm. But he, but the words were true. And so anyway, inspire, like see the spark of divinity, of Krishna, of whatever the fuck you believe, right? In each one of us and understand that human beings are different than animals. We have souls. I get some of my dog loving friends really offended when I say this. Like your dog, your cat does not have an immortal soul the way a human does. Right. And so, you know, it's tangent, but like, how dare you care so much more about your dog than you do about that homeless guy down the street? How dare you? That's not what we're called for. Anyway, I is for inspired. Look really deeply at the person, see what is worth praising. And don't bullshit, but see what is worth praising because every person has billions and billions of dimensions of compare. And at some of them, they're much, much better than you. And praise them. And look what happens. They stiffen their upper back and then they, they just shine a little bit brighter. So that's inspire. F is for flow. Flow. That's let go. Let God. Let the universe. Let karma. Let whatever the fuck you believe in take over. Because I used to believe F was for fight. I'm from Queens, right? And so like, you want to get it, we'll go fight. And like, I'll cut your, you know, because I got like weapons everywhere. But no, F is for flow. The Grand Canyon is one of the most beautiful things carved into nature. And it wasn't created with dynamite. It was created with a single stream. And anytime it counter resistance moved. And as it, it counter resistance and moved, it wore away against the thing that resisted it. This is like the secret to effectiveness. And like, I'm just learning this now because I'm used to fighting, not flowing. And so this one's very hard for me. And then E is for evolve. Evolve, iterate, version up, pick your own language, sanctify. That's also another language that works for this, right? Yeah. Pick your own language. But the only competition you have is yourself. Mm-hmm. Like we got, like, as I said, between JJ and I, there's like billions and billions of dimensions of compare, some of which I will be stronger than her on, like potentially math. Others <laughs> of which she'll be much, much stronger than me on, like cooking beer cake, which I wish, wait, JJ, where's my beer cake? Oh, sorry, I'm Robin so sorry. get the beer cake. Like, I, like, I'm I, like episode five or six and like all of a sudden the beer cake drops off. I will make a beer cake and send it to you on our Please? next episode. Fine. Yeah. But you know, I'm just saying like, you know, E is for evolve because there's the billions of dimensions of compare between JJ and I, who's to say who's a better person? That's a redonkulous question. It's like, it doesn't even, it doesn't even matter. Like yeah. there's no way that that person gets answered because it matters which, which dimensions you then care, care about. And who's to say that your weighting of dimensions is correct. So all, all of which is to say like, the only competition you have is yourself yesterday. Are you a better person today than you were? And by better, I mean I'm more capable of love, right? This is the way you actually figure it out. Are you more capable of love? Or are you a worse person? And then tomorrow, do you have plans to get even better or worse? And like yeah. evolve is the only thing that matters. But I think it's important to remember that we sometimes, you know, you know that saying, take a step back and take two steps forward. That, exactly. You know, that is we're life. not always that is forward. We progressing sometimes we do regress totally and that's normal 
Yeah. Like, and honestly, it's desirable because sometimes you take two steps forward, but you didn't really learn that last thing. So you're taking a step back and now you're going to really, and that will build your fundamentals. Right. And like, man, I am all about fundamentals. Yeah. So earlier when you were reading the, the poem on the flip side and um, it said the part where it said all emotions are good or something to that effect. All emotions are beautiful. All emotions are beautiful. And I think that actually feeds into your concept right. of love. They are. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's hard I, because it's well, friend. Yeah, it's hard because agape is unconditional. Right. So, yeah. And, which and that's means... how we're called to love. JJ, you know, as Christians, you're, you and I are Christians, right? That's how we're called to love, agape. And you know how weak we are. Oh, yeah. And and I don't think it's, it's uh... oh, gosh. <laughs> Sorry, JJ. I didn't even make you cry. So I carry uh... tissues here just for that reason. Here's a virtual <laughs> tissue. You don't have to do anything to make me cry. Apparently, that's that's the thing that I do best. <laughs> But um, I think that sentiment that all emotions are, are beautiful. So, yeah, um, you know, it doesn't necessarily say it's good, which I think that's right. Is probably that's right. It's it's that's right. It's um, understanding sort of finding the beauty in the ugliness. Yeah. You know, I like I like you. Um, <laughs> I'm going to talk a little bit so you can compose yourself. Yeah. Okay. I, 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 like you, am a Christian, right? And um, I believe that, um, you know, I believe that there's a lot of truth in the statement. Like God wants us to hate the sin, but God also wants us to love the sinner. Right. And to be able to flex both at the same time is very difficult. Like my, I have a, I have a, um, like a 12 year old daughter, 12 year old, 15 year old daughter. What am I thinking? Don't let her, don't let her hear this. I have a 15 year old daughter who's about to turn sweet 16 soon. And um, I love her with every fiber of my being. I love her. If a bus was coming at her and I could, I could save her life by, by taking the hit, I would definitely do it. And the thing is, that's not abnormal. That's normal. Ask any father. And they would feel exactly the same way, right? And so there's something about having kids that opens up your capacity and your understanding of love, right? And it's like, it's not a, um, it's not a prerequisite to love that way, but it just helps to deepen um, your understanding of that love. And it's, but that, that daughter at times thinks I hate her because I condemn the sin that she does. Mm. You know, and so like, I don't let her get away with any bullshit. Like I am a, t I am a tight ass, like hard ass father for her. Um, and so even though she knows, and like, I just tell her, I love you all the time. Like I, you wouldn't understand like how affectionate I am uh, to her as a person. And at the same time, how hard I am on her, on the, on her actions that don't, um, help her evolve into a better version of herself. And so I would tell you that even in that tight relationship, she, at times she believes that I hate her. And at times she hates me for loving her the way that I do. 
I mean, just one story, I swear to God, a couple of weeks ago, we were in Miami and, and they came down to get me because they thought I was crazy. I am bipolar type one, by the way, just so we're all clear. But so they thought I was having a manic episode. I was not, like not even close. <laughs> I remember the one time I was, I had mania, I was partying with LeBron in London at the suite at the at the W in Leicester Square. Like that, that was insane. I'm not that right now, right? But they thought I was. And so my daughter, I was like, I was trying to walk to the Apple store to return something. And they were like getting so angry at me that literally I went down on one, my, one knee and I begged my daughter something. I don't remember what it was. And she pushed me over and she kicked me and she started punching me. And I was laughing the entire time. <laughs> it was just funny to me. But all she said was, Dad, I just wish I could kick you harder. How old was she? 15. This was oh, like a uh, okay. No, I mean, she's still like, she's still struggling with me. All I'm saying is like, this thing of love is hard. I'm saying love is hard. Like everyone that says love is easy is like, fuck you, you're not paying attention, right? Like this kind of agape, love someone unconditionally while being grateful for the shitty love you receive in return. That's how God feels about us. Oh yeah. <laughs> and that's why he gave his perfect son, Jesus Christ to propitiate for our sins and take our place. And I, I, every time I think about my daughter kicking me on the floor, um, I think about that. That's what we do to God. But guess what? God can handle it. And so, and even more than that, like he's made this perfect sacrifice. I didn't expect us to get so spiritual. Like um, I'm not religious. I'm actually pretty irreligious. I believe in breaking every single power that holds false dominion over people. You know, like I am all about doing justice and loving mercy and walking humbly. But this is, we were talking about something religious, like spiritual and love is, love is deeply spiritual. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, we could go into like, what's the difference between believing, having faith and, and having beliefs uh, and, and being religious but um, I would probably agree with you. At this point in my life, I that's how I would describe myself. Also, yeah, um, yeah. because 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 I've seen yeah. so much beauty, and so much truth. Capital T, you know, uh, people that have different faiths than mine, mm. in Buddhists, in um, in Hindus, in um, like in Muslims. So it would be so retarded for me to say that I have single claim on truth. And I don't actually believe that's what the Bible says. Like, I actually believe that the Bible is almost entirely conceptual. And, and if you literally understand it, the only way it makes sense is if you're living in first century AD. Yes. Um, that's, that's also the point of, uh, you know, struggling with your faith, right? Wrestling with, uh, with yeah. Yeah. And, um, yeah. yeah. Which God have... invites us to. Yeah, exactly. And we, we could do another whole podcast just about that <laughs> probably yeah i mean these are deep should. these these topics are all deep and maybe we should um and um and i actually have a, a podcast coming up sometime in like mid-march i have this friend who's who teaches she's an atheist but she fell in love with the bible and yeah. um she's still an atheist and but she so teaches I'm gonna close my window. It's cold. For me. Yeah, it's so okay. keep talking. Yeah, she teaches the Bible. But anyway, she she and I she we teaches about... the Bible as an atheist, huh? Yes. Um, That's kind of interesting. 
It is. And so So she teaches it for the moral lessons? Uh not necessarily. I think she teaches it uh maybe almost from like a literary kind of perspective. But anyway, she and okay, I Well, it's a beautiful piece of literature. Oh yes. Uh and it's it's a complicated piece. It's, you know, It's complex. It's complex and and um you're right. Complex is the more correct word than complicated. Uh, it can be complicated too. Um because yeah. it it often uh, has these diametrically opposed sort of viewpoints or not viewpoints, but, you know, concepts. It does. It They're does. Full, it's full of paradoxes. But anyway. It is. So she and I, we're going to have a potentially whole series of conversations about about that. So that should be interesting. Well, thank you. Thank you for talking about real stuff. Yeah. Um, because we, we don't have enough real conversations. At, we have too at, many fake, superficial conversations. That's kind of what my hope is with this podcast: is we talk about real things. Um, but I, I don't know if the whole religious spiritual uh, tangent was a tangent, if if that was your main point. So well, I just, just I got lots like... of points that I like to make, and so <laughs> so let's, sometimes let's I'm like, oh, this is a shiny object for me. Like this point, I think is an important point to make in this amount of focus that we have. So let me just state it. And then each time we state a point, we obviously could go levels and levels and levels below. Yeah. Um, but maybe but... we could just go back to the tablet because I got more stuff here. Go ahead. Or yeah. not. Or not. No, no, no. Go ahead. Let's do that. This is your show, JJ. I'll do whatever you want me to do. Uh, no, no. But you're my guest. So I think you had a particular uh, set of points that you wanted to make. So I, I'd like well, to this go is... through that. I got challenged by Ray Dalio when I left Bridgewater. And I said, Ray, I think your principles are great. Ray, if you guys don't know, Ray Dalio is the fifth richest guy in the world. He runs Bridgewater. It's a global macro hedge fund. It's the single largest hedge fund uh, in the world. It also has made more money for its investors than any other company ever. So if you think about a hedge fund, his goal is to make money for its investors. He's more, been more successful at that than any other human being. And his investors are not bad people. They're you. They're teachers, they're firefighters, they're people with pensions, um, they're like uh, EMT workers. I mean, his, his, like all the money is institutional. So it's pensions, foundations, endowments, like the fourth, fourth I'm trying to figure out if I can share the client list or not. It's been many years, I think I'm fine. The Ford Foundation, like basically any, anyone that's anyone in money runs money with Bridgewater because Bridgewater is the best. Um, all the sovereign wealth funds, pretty much. And so those are Bridgewater's clients. It's really not high net worth people. It's really not rich people. It's more institutions that manage money for others. So Ray Dalio is a special person. I believe he is the smartest person in the world of ideas that I've ever met. And I believe that their smartness comes in two dimensions. There's a world of ideas and there's smartness in the world of ideas and there's a smartness in the world of people. And so Ray is very, very, very smart in the world of ideas and very, very dumb in the ways of people. It's just how he's wired. But he's been able to compensate for that by hiring others that are, that are good that way. Um, so as I was leaving, part of what precipitated my leave was um, I went to Ray. And Ray was just at that time. When I joined Bridgewater, we, it was 2007. We had 450 employees. By the time I left Bridgewater, there was 13,000. So we, we experienced hyper growth during that period. And then what Ray wanted to do is we wanted to make sure that everyone was, was singing from literally the same hymn book. So he wrote 
down his gospel and called it the principles. In fact, the principles of life and work by Ray Dalio is on the New York Times bestseller list. And so you should just Google him because he's a fascinating character. But he wrote books about basically his principles for operating. And these principles, they work. I mean, these are the principles that have made him um, multi-billionaire, again, fifth richest person in the world from nothing. Like unlike DJT, Donald J. Trump, his dad was a jazz musician and gave him zero. Uh, except an appreciation for learning how to like improvise, which he does brilliantly. Well, that yeah, that that probably was a great gift and talent that he it got was. from his father. Yeah, definitely, definitely. We all get different gifts from our fathers mm. and our mothers. But anyway, for him, it wasn't money; it was the ability to um, intellectually he understands things at what I call a V nine level. Like V nine for me is like world class, world class. Right. So he is like, he is so good at breaking a problem down to its fundamentals and getting to the real core of it. Right. And then, so that's why the reason why I passed the CFA was I just picked every answer the opposite of what I knew the real reason was. And like, you know, that's how that's how that thinking came about from Bray. So what are, what's the V9 thing? Is it are they different? levels? So these or? numbers, there are these numbers. One, three and nine. Oh, sorry. One, three and nine. Right. And um, if you guys have read Hegel, the German philosopher, right, he talks about progress as like there's thesis, then there's antithesis, and then there's synthesis. And V1 is almost always good because you're, you're, you're getting started on solving a problem. V2 sometimes is better, sometimes is worse, depending. You're usually reacting to V1. And then V3 is almost always best. And then that way now you've got the lessons from the, the two and now you're driving things forward. So one is a special number because it represents beginning. Three is a special number because it, I call yeah. three world-class V1. And then there's a lot of scut work. And then eventually I think you land on level nine, which is like world-class, world-class. So if three is world-class V1, then nine is world-class, world-class. And so I'm going to use these words just because I find them useful. Most people say don't judge the levels because it's tricky. I'd say you have to judge the levels, otherwise you're never going to learn. So what exactly are these levels of a process? Everything. Okay. Everything. Everything. Like my understanding of math is probably like a V3, maybe a V4, V5. Like I understand more than most, but my math is not that strong. You know, uh, my understanding of product is probably closer to a V9, like relative to every other person. (laughs) Well, that's right. Zero is an important. Well, no, 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 no. Listen, I'll tell you one tangent. So I'm gonna, I, I know when I'm taking tangents, tangent though. Ray taught me the secret of going from zero to nine, right? And what he and he writes all this in his book. You all should just read his book because the book is good, right? Uh, but I'll tell you why he fired me later. But like the book is good. What's the right? book title again? Principles of Life and Work by Ray Dalio. You can add it to your thing. And then yeah. if people hit it, you'll get the affiliate link from Amazon. You should have add it to your thing. Yeah. <laughs> Ooh. It's a good book. Yeah. I'm not giving you guys bad books. The other one was Burton Malky or Random Walk Through Wall Street. I, I can provide a book list after. Sure. Um, but the um, this V9 understanding of the world like happens through a lot of work, right? And um, what were we just talking? I just got lit. I just got lost in thought for a second. Yeah. <sighs> 
All right, let me land this plane. Let me land this plane. Okay. Sure. So, um, oh, we we're talking about how to get to zero. how to go from zero to nine. How to go from zero to nine. Yes. This is what you should do, and you should read the book, and because he describes it there. First, recognize you're a zero. First, recognize you're a dumb shit. That's the most important thing to do. And then look for people that are, are at nines. And that's hard. You don't, want to, you don't want to learn from people that are twos or, or fours. If you can, learn from the people that are nines. The nice thing today, guys, is most of the people that are nines have written fucking books about it. <laughs> so you can actually just identify them by thinking about, okay, this is a topic I'm trying to understand. I'm trying to understand AI. Then, okay, fine. Like, who's written the book on it? And this guy, Andrew Ng, right? And so, like, yeah, let me go talk to that guy. Right. And if you're Ray and you have billions and billions of dollars, you can talk to whoever you want. But actually, you don't have to have billions and billions of dollars. Like I've I've talked to Andrew about AI because because he comes to conferences and his conference schedule is well. I just like I meaningfully go to these conferences in like Vienna or like or Pisa. And like they're not bad places to go to travel anyway. I'm like, yo, stop. I am a dumb shit. Here's how I understand it. Where am I wrong? You know? And you just keep doing that enough. And the most important thing is like, first find people that have track record, right? What track record means is that they've done this in a world-class way in multiple places. So you know that the first time wasn't luck. Then second, look for people that can explain it to you without jargon, right? Yes. Because the more jargon they use, the more likely it is that they don't understand what the fuck they're talking about either. They have to be able to explain it to you like you're just a smart 10 year old. Do you know what I mean? Like if they can't explain it to you at that level, they don't know what the fuck they're actually talking about. If you have those two things together, track record plus an ability to explain in a common sense way, then they probably understand it deep, deep, deep. And if they understand deep, 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 then their ability to adapt it to a different situation is super high. And then when you have that expert, now you've, now you've identified an expert, that's a V9 expert right? A V9 expert, V9 expert. Now shut the fuck up and listen. Don't pose your own theories. Ask questions, not, not opinions. But one of the most tangent, one of the most frustrating things for me is that people that have never earned the right to have an opinion, have an opinion. When I say earn the right, you always have the right to have questions. But it's only if you ask enough questions in a diligent way that you've actually earned the right to have an informed opinion. Yeah. So actually, I, I have all my life, all I am is focus. Don't waste my focus on your uninformed opinions. I don't give a shit. I literally could give two shits about your uninformed opinion. I will answer questions. I will answer questions for you all day because I love you. But don't waste my focus on your uninformed opinions. And Fox I think- News. Here, you, you are defining the word opinion in a very specific way. Uh, I am precise. Know. Yes. I like, um, I am always accurate. Right. But as precise as I can be relative to the levels and everything else. Right. And it's not, it's not in the, in the way we commonly use the word opinion. Like, you know, people say, I have a right to my opinion. You, you know? ha- don't have a right to your opinion, motherfucker. No. <laughs> no. No, you have the right to ask questions. If you diligently ask enough people smarter than you, the questions that you have, then maybe just maybe you earn the right to have an opinion, but then we should judge who knows the subject better, me or you. And then if I know the subject better than you and you think so, you should probably ask me more questions than state truth. Is that reasonable or no? Um, 
I I think that's reasonable because I think um, you know what we're lacking today in, in society in general is yes. that we don't listen common enough. truth. Yeah, common truth, a shared truth. Uh, shared truth, but we also I, well before that is we don't listen enough. Because, One feeds the other. Yes, if we listened enough, I think we we could arrive at a shared truth, but we don't. We Which drown is why we need in, a new. We we drown the the you know our our common spheres with um, our uninformed uninformed um, pieces. Which Facebook and Twitter echo to you. <laughs> echo and also amplifies. I, I'm I. Go and amplify. Absolutely, it's a, it's the amplification. I feel like uh, is sort of a greater because I keep saying this to people that it amplifies to the point where it feels like that is reality and that's not. And and that's also right. part of the reason Which why leads I just want to January 6th. I just want to, well, <laughs> it leads to lots it leads of things. It leads to that. It leads yeah. to lots of things. But, yeah. um, but uh, you know, this is why I want, you know, I want to have one-on-one -on -one conversations with people because I think this is, after, you know, you really have to get into something to really understand yeah. where the Dude. other person's coming from or even totally. explore any particular topic because just having one-liners doesn't do anything. And I feel no, like there's the majority of us out there are, you know, uh, people with common sense, with understanding, but it's just that those uh, people's voices are not being represented. And it's just the loud, extreme voices that are being so amplified that yeah. that it feels like that's reality when I think in reality it's it's not. That's that's my theory. But anyway, let's go back to. No, no, I, I think that's a lovely theory. It reminds me of a poem. Can I, can I just read the poem? Sure. Um, I love this poem, but I don't fully understand it. So I'm thinking maybe if I read it here, I'll help you understand it better. But it's called The Second Coming by, by Yeats. Oh, yes. I, I read that. And there's a certain line that uh, resonates with what you're saying, but then there's more of it, which I just understand. So can I just read it? Because I, I think we're close to the second coming, is what I would say. Turning and turning in the widening gyre, the falcon cannot hear the falconer. Things fall apart. The center cannot hold. Mere anarchy is loosed upon the world. The blood did time is loosed and everywhere the ceremony of innocence is drowned. The best lack all conviction while the worst, Donald J. Trump, are full of passionate intensity. Surely some revelation is at hand. Surely the second coming is at hand. The second coming hardly are those words out when a vast image out of spiritus mundi, which means spirit of the world, troubles my sight. Somewhere in the sands of the desert, a shape with lion body and the head of a man, a gaze blank, pitiless as the sun, is moving its slow thighs, while all about it, real shadows of the indignant desert birds, which are vultures and carrion. The darkness drops again, but now I know that 20 centuries of stony sleep were vexed to nightmare by a rocking cradle. And what rough beast its hour come round at last slouches towards Bethlehem to be born. Yeah. 
So as um, I say, I don't understand most of it, but like the part is best lack all conviction while the worst are full of passion intensity. That describes today yeah. to a T. I think it described it when Yates wrote that too. Was it, um, I think he's part of the beatnik generation, right? So 60s, 50s? Oh, I, no, he's 1800s. Oh, he's earlier. 18. Oh, actually, 1865 to 1939. So you might be right. I mean, that's like uh, pre-Beatnik, but in that, in that right sphere. Yeah, it's well, it's pre-Beatnik, because I think Beatnik was like in the 50s, maybe. Um, yeah. Yeah, just before Well, more 60s. like, that's right, that's right. Well, I think it maybe 40s to 60s. Oh, But anyway, uh, yeah, actually, I read that poem in high school. It was a part of a... a Me too. Yeah, part of a curriculum and um and he's one of the poems isn't it that, so terrible that like the like you and i that are educated people that the last time we read these poems is in high school like there's something <laughs> wrong with society i i know but here's the thing i i will i wonder if high school even teaches it now you know no it yeah. doesn't i mean i mean they they show it but they don't actually teach it yeah well my my point was that um that's uh he's one of the poets that I encounter which kind of made me want to start writing um, yeah. and so I, I started yeah. writing when I was in high school it was around that yeah. time that's yeah. cool him and also Sylvia Plath was, yeah Sylvia yeah. amazing Sylvia um, yeah but anyway what does she write what's the book she wrote um I don't know something our bodies um, um, the title escapes me but yeah. we have google so we can figure it out later yeah, I, I don't, I don't, I don't really, I don't remember specifics anymore because yeah. my memory is just, you know, Swiss cheese. But, Can I tell uh, you the the one other poem that I love? We're on the tangent now, and let's yeah. own the tangent. Oh yeah, the one totally. other poem, well, poetry. The one other poem that I love from Yeats, I encountered while reading a comic book. But in the comic book, there is a a, a character called Nightcrawler, and he's like, X Men comic book, and he's, and he's yeah. reading this poem by Yeats. And ever since then, it's the, the poem stuck in my head. So can I, can I recite it to you? Because yeah. this one I know by heart. Had I the heavens embroidered cloths and wrought with golden and silver light, the blue and the dim and the dark cloths of night, light and half light, I would spread these cloths under your feet. But I, being poor, have only my dreams. I have spread my dreams under your feet. Tread softly, for you tread on my dreams. Mm. Isn't that beautiful? Mm. Yeah. It's like this poor boy that's talking to this woman that clearly wants more out of life than what he can give. But all he can talk about are his ambitions and his dreams. And um, it's true that like you can either tread softly or you can stomp. You know, and I've had both experiences in my life. And, and both are... Um equally useful depending on the circumstances sometimes you do need to stomp sometimes you need to tread well early. you know what i'll tell you is like my dreams are in the air but that's where they should be i'm not gonna like dream small like how stupid is that right so my dreams i have three dreams can i share my dreams with you absolutely since this this is this poem told me to like talk about my dreams right i want to be korean ray dalio I want to be Cordalio. I'm raising a fund, the social equity fund, that's supposed to be better than Bridgewater. Bridgewater was V3. I want to be V9. Mm. Right. And the thing is, the max any first-time fund uh, person's ever raised is 1.6 billion, as far as I can tell. I want to raise three bills, just because. 
I'd be super ecstatic if I raised one. Uh, and I think I did the math and the break even is on 20 mil. And um, not to brag, but I think I could hit 20 mil rolling out of bed. So that's the first thing. I want to be Korean Ray Dalio. Number two, I want to be Korean Eminem. <laughs> you guys, JJ, you may know this, but I love to sing. I mean, ever since, I was in choir. Do you remember I used to be in choir with Mr. Wu? Yeah. Mr. Wu with a tight shirt. <laughs> He once wore he oh, once yes, wore this yes. yellow tight shirt to, to choir practice, and no one would ever let him let it down. Anyway, so I want to be Korean Eminem. I um I rap. I believe Eminem to be the the singular best poet of our generation, and uh, I want to be like him, a poet in motion. So I want to be Korean Eminem, Korean Cordalio, Coreminem. And the third thing is 2024, I want to run for presidency. Because I just recently found out that I could. I used to think that I wasn't born in this country. I was naturalized later. But what I actually was found out was actually my dad was naturalized in 75. Huh. And then when, when he had me, he had me in a military base in Busan, which is the same as John McCain being born in a military base in Cuba. Panama, um, I think. Was it Cuba? Cuba. Okay. Yeah, it was Guantanamo. And so as a result of all that, I believe I'm now eligible for presidency. Mm. And I used to never, I'm the kind of motherfucker that like, if I can't win, I don't want to play. So I never wanted to play politics because I could never get the highest seat. But now I'm running for office in 2022 in Florida, District 27, against a lovely woman named Maria Salazar. And so I, I, I would hate to beat her, but I want to beat her. Um, and then I want to run for presidency because this country is fucked up. It's fucked up. It's all him. It's not great again, right? And the Republicans have ceased to exist. They don't, they're not a party, they're a cult of personality that's merged around a single antichrist. And I don't use antichrist with a capital A, I use it with a small A. Trump is a kind of antichrist. He is. If you're a Christian, you gotta recognize this in the revelations. Like read revelations conceptually and understand that Trump is a kind of an antichrist. Yeah. And so. I feel like to call him that is giving him too much credit. I, I said small I, a. I, I even didn't say so, big a. Even so. No, 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 no. Judge yeah. the levels. That dude is he dude is an antichrist. Yeah. He's gathering Christians who are misled because they don't see Jesus. Oh. Yeah. No, I but mean they were misled way before uh Trump. Well, whatever, whatever. Um, but, but he's now leading them. Yeah. I mean I I, I he's not antichrist for me with a big A. The Bible talks about many antichrists. Yeah, yes, yes. And he is one of them. Clearly, like so clearly in my book, he is he an antichrist and antichrist, not the antichrist. Right. And I look. I call a spade a spade. Is what I do. And so what it, we need is a new party. And um, I'm going to run as a Democrat because you can't actually win uh, without a party. But we need a new party, and I want to call it radical centrism or like radical pragmatism, because it needs to be center. We can't, we can't solve the big problems of this world mm -hmm. without going to the center, because you need both sides to agree. It's the thesis, antithesis, synthesis. We need a center, and we need a party for the center, and it's not, it's not milk toast and, um, and, like, and like baby stuff. This is like radical. We need to radically change our government, the way we interact. The Constitution is genius. It has a mechanism for evolving and upgrading itself. That mechanism is called amendments. JJ, do you know when the last amendment was passed? 
It was a while ago. 1960-something. Like, all... So it's maybe 70s. Like, all... Actually, yeah. No. There, all anyway. progress yeah. has stopped in terms of the evolution of our charter, the Constitution. And technology is accelerating change. So if we don't have the charter keep up, what are we going to get left with? The people in power are going to stay in power. The Constitution was genius because what it did was it separated powers and made sure that they could hold each other in check. And it was designed so that it would kill any power. That was the whole Theodore Roosevelt trust busting, right? In the night. And so we had, a, we had a buster, a new set of technological trust, Amazon, Google, Apple even. Oh, I love Apple. Like all my shit is Apple, but still, they got, they got to be busted up. And like the Google Play Store versus the Amazon Android, like the whole thing is such a shit show. The fact that they have no interoperability, it's a duopoly, right? And that's got to get broken. So, um, so, anyway, so my dreams, right? Cordalio, Coreminem, Corbama. You got to have dreams. Hmm. The, yeah. 2024. 2024. Um, I mean, Biden, Biden, I love the guy. He's a caretaker, though. I don't love Biden. I love Biden. We, yeah. we can debate this if you want, but like we no, got sensitive no. to time. Yeah. We got 40, 41 minutes of focus. Yeah, exactly. So I think um, I think to go into sort of the nitty gritty of the politics, I think, well, there's. I don't, I personally don't like the two party system. I don't like either parties at this point. I think they, well, yeah, the, they both the have. Democrats are crazy, but the Republicans are fucking crazy. And so you gotta judge levels. Uh, I think they're both fucking crazy. Um, well, I think I, I disagree with that statement. I, I think they both have lied to the American people, but in different ways. But there's ones are liars are bigger than the other liars. I like don't, Donald I don't Trump, agree. I don't agree with that. I think they from the very beginning, Donald Trump was a liar. Oh, but yeah, but he's an obvious liar. People who actually but, but, believed but, but anything he said. But the entire Republican Party is now just a cult of personality around a single liar. Not the entire. I would say maybe minus close to seven 50. people, minus seven senators that had the courage to stand up. Right, Romney, Murkowski, yeah. Collins, um, Sass, who yeah. I love actually. I quite, I quite like Ben Sass. Uh, uh, there's three more names I'm forgetting. Yeah. Go the outside of those seven, cult of personality. And the worst of them, Mitch McConnell. Mitch McConnell will go down as this generation's Neville Chamberlain. He fucked Obama. He fucked anything he could just because he was just playing for his team. He's an asshole. Like a V9 asshole. <laughs> He's literally like Satan. He himself is a kind of antichrist. Yeah. I, I don't I don't necessarily agree with these characterizations, but it's just we can reasonable people can disagree. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but at the same time, I think both parties ha have this done. This is my Miami hat. Yeah, both parties have done the American people huge injustices and huge disservices through various means, and and also in different ways. But anyway, but you're saying things are so vague. Right. Like, let's get to specifics. Who? Who do you want to talk about? Like, I'm I'd love to debate politics. So we can <laughs> we got we got 39 minutes left. I'm a registered Republican in New Jersey because I was trying to stop the Antichrist, Donald Trump, from getting the thing. I was going to vote for. Um, I see. Kasich. Kasich was my guy. Right. 
Yeah, but then but here's the I'm going to go to Florida. I'm a yeah. register as a Democrat so I can beat Maria Salazar, which I hate yeah. trying to beat her. Yeah, and, and that, that's the whole thing. I mean, I don't understand why why there needed to be party politics. You know? It didn't need to be. It just happened to be. It I, didn't need to be. It wasn't written in. I know. I know. It was just a it, it's it's more of a conventional practice than it was yeah. a, a rule of law or rule exactly. of anything. And uh, and also just this, as a side note, people keep saying like abolish the uh, electoral college. Did you know that? Uh, well, electoral college is part of the constitution, so the only way to abolish it is through an amendment. Now the amendment. thing, yeah, the thing exactly. is, what people actually object to is not the electoral college system itself. What they what they object to is the winner take all system, which is not right. baked into the constitution. I know. That's a practice. I know. You could easily change that. You could easily. You just need. You could easily change that. You know how, how you change that? Every state yeah. has... State, le state legislatures. Exactly. Each state has yeah. its own sovereignty to change how, to choose how, it, how exactly. the electoral college is split up. Exactly. Yeah. So you could do it in one big shot with an amendment, or you could go state by state and fix it. Um. Yeah, you can do it one, one straight shot as an amendment, but here's because the thing. The amendment is an amendment to the Constitution since... Uh, well, the thing is, like... Winner take all is not part of the Constitution I actually at all. believe in the electoral college. I do too, because now the thing it was is put together to stop us from mob rule. Absolutely, and the mob is fucking crazy. January six. Although uh, they would not necessarily have the numbers to actually rule anything, and 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 the thing is, like they only call it an insurrection because they did not succeed. If they actually succeeded, then it would it not would be have been a revolution. Exactly, the it's winners, not an insurrection. The winners write history. Yeah, exactly. But anyway, um, here but it's I'll... so scary. It's so scary, JJ. Are you not scared? I'm scared for the future of our country. I'm scared too, but at the same time, um, here you know we had four very tumultuous years under under uh, Trump. But at the same time, the country did not immediately fall apart. I think just it's just barely. I think it's just frayed. barely holding on by a thread. Um, no, I think there, you know. Sort of the, you know, it's not sexy, but a lot of the bureaucratic institutions that have been put in place that's been running is if, is kind of if if Trump were halfway competent. Yes, that's true. If he was competent, if Trump were ha he would be Victor Orban. Oh, absolutely. And we would be hungry, and we would be hungry. Absolutely. So I'm telling you, JJ, like uh, the 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 stanchions of our democracy are not as robust as you think they are. I see it. Uh, that may be. Maybe I'm a little more hopeful and a little more trusting. You, I think, are being a little too. Um, yeah. You, I think you're too optimistic on but this. But I, I actually. Which is why I'm in. To be, to be clear, the reason why I'm running is to fight. Yeah. Well, I, I hope, I hope you are able to, you know. Clean Would you give up? me five dollars? I just need five dollars from all of your viewers because <laughs> I'm trying to raise grassroots that are real. I and have so four I subscribers. I have four subscribers well, on YouTube. Twenty bucks. That's four more. <laughs> Than I had. Hey, listen. Are you one of them? Uh, yeah. Uh, no, oh, I. There you go. No, no, I'm not one of the subscribers. I'm. I'm. But anyway, uh, yeah. Well, you could send me the link as to like where where people can donate to you. I need to hire. I'll totally put in five dollars. Finance director, because my finance director right now does not believe in me. These people think I'm fucking crazy for going after Miami 27. They're like Miami 23 is where you should go. Florida 23 is where you should go. It's easy win. It's a white male privilege wimp guy. And um, I said, no, 
no, I want to go after Florida Tourism because I want to live in South Beach. And so I actually want to, I want to, I want to be congressman for the district that I want to live in. I mean, is that reasonable? Yeah. It's reasonable to me. Yeah. I think it's actually how it's supposed to be. It just happens yeah. to be that there's this woman there who I really like. Maybe I'll just join the Republican Party and I'll primary her. There's two ways to do it. Maybe I'm a Republican. I, you see, honestly, I'm a radical centrist. But the party doesn't exist yet. I think it depends on the issue. Sometimes I can be progressive. Sometimes I can be very conservative and sometimes, you know, in the middle. Yeah. I bet if you and I went through issue by issue, we'd agree on everything. Honestly. Uh, I don't know about everything, but yeah, I think we would, <laughs> we would, we would agree, agree on the majority of the important things. And I think, I think that's the point too. I think if you looked at every single person in the U S and asked them one by one on the yeah. issues the majority yeah. of us would agree. Well, you would have to inform them first because we don't have a common sure set of facts. You'd have to inform them first. Well, I, I think this this is kind of segue, but into uh, Andrew Yang. And that's one of the oh, things yeah. that... Yeah, it's one of the things that he said that he... I love to, Andrew. Yeah, he went to all these um, districts, you know, where yeah. that, that voted for Trump. And uh, and then he would talk to them yeah. and a lot of them actually said, hey, actually, yes, you're the guy that I thought I was voting for when I voted for Trump, because what you're well, you know, the thing is, like Andrew shares our skin tone. And there is such a thing as a bamboo ceiling. And I'm not yeah. saying that it's as hard as a glass ceiling, but it exists in Israel. Like I was the highest paid employee and the highest tenured employee at um Reef Technology, which I just left, at Gardner, whose ticker symbol is IT, uh, and at Bridgewater. My last three employers. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you, like I was much more talented than some that were well above me in the hierarchy. And it's because the way I looked the way I did, and I didn't play the game. I didn't play the let me kiss your ass game. Well, then I would argue it maybe it's more that you didn't um, play the kiss your ass not my, game. Not, not my fault. Not. They, say, they set the rules. I followed the rules, but they actually were playing a different game. Right. What would you call that? You call that a rigged game. And I'm going to break every single rigged game I can with all the focus that God lends me on this earth. Because rigged games are not fair. Yeah. And I love fair games. I love to win, but I love to win fair games. Um, and I think it's uh, it's the earlier point that people who want to win uh, at whatever the cost is. This bullshit. Is, this is why. But this is they are why fucking things bullshit. are. Yeah. But they are. I'm not. I'm gonna go after them like like I'm from Queens, my <laughs> sister. I'm gonna go after every single motherfucker that has power that shouldn't have power. That's using their power to like puff themselves up versus lift others up. Yeah. I'm gonna rage against the machine. I'm gonna rattle every cage. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna question authority, challenge dogma. If if you guys vote me into office, that's what I'm gonna do. Because I'm qualified. Yeah, good luck. Um... I mean I've learned microeconomics at McKinsey, I've learned macroeconomics at Bridgewater. Yeah. I learned and built IT at Gardner. 
And I learned the secret of startups from Reef, which is, I believe in the end will be bigger than Airbnb, WeWork, and Uber combined. So ma'am, I've done the research and I believe to be, I'm ready to lead and manage. The one thing I did not appreciate about Andrew Yang, I love Andrew as a person. I think he's very, very talented as a politician, but he is not a manager. And uh, his campaign was a bit of a shit show. My campaign will not look like that. Um, so, yeah. So just a point of context. So you uh, did participate in Andrew's um, I did. presidential well, campaign. I got, so you I got, have some firsthand knowledge. I got fired knowledge. slash resigned slash quit uh, from Gardner in December 6, yeah. uh, 2019. Yeah. And then I was like, well, what the fuck do I do with my time? Because, uh, you know, in truth is, don't take offense. I'm a Jamaican. I have like a thousand and one jobs going at the same time. And then 999 of them were like work related. The one job I actually give a shit about is being a father. And that's the only job that's not fucking bullshit in my life. Everything else is fucking bullshit, honestly. It's the one job I care about is being a father. And so as I thought about that, I was like, I really care about this country and the direction that we're going. And then I looked at the candidates hard. And the only one I found that I really was passionate about was Andrew Yang. And so I went, I went, uh, and I volunteered and I raised money and I gave max donations, 2,800, 56. I actually gave 5,600, which is like for both the general, for the primary, as well as for the general. Uh, and then they had to refund me the 2,800. I even convinced my girlfriend at the time to do the same. I may have underwritten it. It might have been a campaign finance violation. Who knows? Who knows? <laughs> That's I don't know okay. <laughs> anyway, so I was like, to say I was all in on Andrew Yang is actually an understatement. I then flew myself at my own personal course to Des Moines, Iowa, where I campaigned for him as a precinct captain. And I observed the situation on the ground. And um, I had the same conversations he had with people. And I'll tell you, like, people are hungry for real authentic leadership mm -hmm. and solid management. And Andrew is a great leader. Like he has a very compelling personality. He's funny. He stays above the fray. He always does the Hegelian thing. He always goes for the middle, right? Which is a very, very wise. And I, I love that dude. I think UBI is the right answer. Universal basic income, I think, except I think it's too little. I think we should be giving not people a thousand dollars a month. I think we should be giving people $3,000 every month, right? So that they can live. And then it's only when we can activate you past your Maslow's based survival needs that we can then get everyone really thinking positively about how can we build together and love. And I have a method for doing that around crypto, by the way. That's part of what I'm gonna do with One Love Capital is I'm gonna go kill fucking money, right? I'm not money, but mammon. I'm gonna kill the love of mammon. That's the part of my, I've got ambition, sister, right? Like you don't know my ambitions. My ambitions are severe. I have, se I have a severe case of ambitionitis. <laughs> Um, but anyway, so I, I know not, Andrew well. Not in the DSMR yet. <laughs> not yet. <laughs> DSM, for those not in the know, are the way psychologists diagnose people like me. And according to them right now, I am a, textbook bipolar type one. Yeah, it's a whole book. Uh, I, diagnostic something manual or something. And the R is for revised, I think. Um, yeah, so, it just got revised. It's, uh, it got, it's always getting revised. And what I'll tell you is it's not, yeah. it's not actually science. I'm a fucking physicist. I know science, right? Let's just be clear. I know what science is. I know what science is not. It's a collection of empirical views. 
that someone needs to actually understand more deeply so they can drive into cause and effect. It has no understanding of cause and effect. If it's not cause and effect, guess what, guys? It's not science. It's like taxonomy. It's, it's a taxonomy of what we call what we see out there. It's right. nothing more than fucking bullshit. I use that in the technical terms. Yeah. Um, I mean, whatever, I think it... whatever. This is a conversation that makes me somewhat emotional because <laughs> I've gotten institutionalized in two continents. And in this one huh. in New Jersey, Bergen Regional, I was kicked. I was spit. I was punched. I was grabbed. I had needles jabbed into my ass. And the only reason I got out was I learned how to play the game. Act normal. Um, do you psychiatrists, psychologists are very dangerous people? Yes. Do you want to get they into are... that? I mean, okay, we, we can. only have like. I mean, uh, well, you tell me because, uh, but that's a situ That's something where I'm gonna start cursing a lot, sister. Yeah. You know what? Let Let's actually have a that's separate. Probably wise. No, no, no. Let's have a separate episode just about that because I think there's a lot of lot of Bullshit. not only stigma but also mis. Bullshit misunderstanding about Bullshit. mental health and emotional health and, and just health Listen, in general. I'll tell you, just yeah. let me just end the segment with this. Like, who else is bipolar type one? William Shakespeare, right. uh, Ernest Hemingway, Albert Einstein, Richard Philip Feynman, who I'm named after. I mean, uh, Isaac Newton. I mean, uh, yeah, Poincaré, Henri Poincaré. Uh, I mean, yeah, I'm just saying, if that's the company I keep, then yes, I have bipolar type one. Yeah, I, I would say any, any, uh, very anyone that was foolish, foolish yeah. enough to believe that they mattered and that they could change the course of destiny. Anyone foolish enough to is bipolar type one definition because they're, they're delusional. Or in some cases, maybe Asperger. Yes, Asperger's is also, it's like, yeah. there's like a two by two. On one level, there's the mood disorder side. On the other side, there's the autism side. Yeah. And yeah. Um, that, that's essentially, it, look, sister, just in that, this conversation, we've just covered more than most psychologists know because they get trapped in this tyranny of specialization where they believe that what they know is power and it is not. It's like, it's not. Well, I, I think it's tunnel vision, right? Or, or it's, I call it the tyranny of specialization. Yeah. Because I look like this, everything is a, everything is a nail. Everything needs my hammer. Forget that this guy is doing a screwdriver thing here. Everything needs to be a nail and a hammer. This is the tyranny of specialization. Yeah. And, and, and that's the problem with, um, you know, having, I, I think it, it's true in every aspect of life, whether it's lo you, you're looking at health or, or yeah, uh, it's totally finance, true. Every, it's true, exactly. Do you know what the answer politics. to all of this is? Yeah. Do you know what the answer to this is? Mm. Agile, teamwork, the minimum process necessary to reach an outrageous outcome, outrageous outcome, while constantly learning and iterating. That definition that is agile. The guy that invented that, his name is Jeff Sutherland. The book is Scrum. More books, more books. The book is I've Scrum. I've heard of that book. Do twice the work in half the time. And I know Jeff personally. How do I know him? I stalked his ass. Like, I was like, he's doing a class in Cambridge. I'm like, Ken, my boss at the time, I'm going to Cambridge, learn from Jeff Sutherland. He's like, fuck yeah. I'm like, yeah. And so I went, and I went to three of his classes and I, for weeks at a time. 
and I would pester the shit out of him until I had no more questions left because I could see that he clearly was a master and I was a student. And then I just shut the fuck up and listened to him. Yeah. So the moral of the story is stalk people. No, I'm just kidding. The moral of the story is judge the levels, judge yeah. when you're a dumb shit, look at who's amazing, right? And then figure out how you can get close to them because amazing people, they're not on mountaintops. They write books and they travel and they write, they do book signings and just like get your ass in front of them and be like, I just want to be your student. Would you please mentor me? Use different words, use the words that are appropriate to a situation. But that's all I've ever done, JJ, is I've surrounded myself with amazing people and I've figured out how to ask them questions respectfully so that my understanding grows. Mm -hmm. And like, I believe there's two kinds of people in this world. There's know-it-alls, which are extremely dangerous and their words are packed with jargon and they wanna make you feel stupid with what they know. And there's learn-it-alls, right? And like my aspiration is to learn it all, even though I know the way the universe is, because I studied this in, in, in graduate school, 95% of the universe is dark matter and dark energy unknowable. Yeah. So even if I learned everything there was to know, I would know maybe 5%, but maybe not even. And my understanding on that 5% is like basis points even, I'm not even sure. It's like so, so, so low. Yeah, and that's that's just uh, in the physical universe. In the and metaphysical exactly. universe, is, is far more vast. Yeah, de la vie, such as life. I mean, yeah. it's just is like so deep. So we got twenty one minutes left. So how do you want to use them? Uh, I is this way? Is this was this work? Can we just let's give ourselves an interim report card? I love doing this. Zero to ten, right? Where zero is like terrible. Why did I? Why did I even take this guy's call? <laughs> 10 is like amazing uh and seven is a pass to the high bar i call seven the korean d you know koreans have high bars okay. so what what number would you judge this conversation what number oh my gosh i you, you want me to grade this this is yeah terrible. grade me oh this yeah i do all the time all i do is i grade every interaction i was this is how my brain works yeah okay i would say an 80. i think Okay, I'll take it. Only because I think I think it could be a lot more improved. I, I well, what I'm getting out of this conversation right now is how many more conversations that we can have on any particular point that you brought up and um uh, and I I've been like, I've been a little bit purposefully tangenting. Yeah, yeah. Is are you laying the groundwork to keep coming back? Well, I'm laying the groundwork to finish this. This is the thing I wanted to finish. Let's finish that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, let's finish. That. Are you sure that you want to use your time that way? Because this, yes. this is going to turn into a marketing pitch for me. No, absolutely. It's fine. But you yeah. wanted to talk about Yang. I want to make sure I answered your questions about Yang. The one thing I tell you about Andrew Yang is why I love him as a person. I think he's a great leader. He's a shit of, of managers. Like his organization was a shit show. And he's got to get quality management or he's not going to win mayor of New York City. He's not going to win anything. And so, Andrew, think... if you're listening, wake the fuck up, hire some managers that know what the fuck they're doing. And like get pay more attention to that, because that will be the only thing that holds you back, sir. Yeah, I would say that was maybe my only question that I would ask about that, uh, since he's now running for mayor of New York, and uh, what your thoughts were on. I think that. he's got a good shot. Yeah, I, I think he's got so a good too. shot. I think so too. I think but, being on the national stage certainly gave him name recognition. Yes. But. And he's got better ideas than everyone else, which helps. Which helps. But it's um, necessary but not sufficient. 
Uh, I'll tell you a quick story. Uh, so this is in the very, very early days of the Democratic primary um, um, race. And um, a colleague of mine asked me who, do, who I liked uh, for the, you know, the uh, presidential candidacy from the Democratic Party. And, and then I answered his question with a question. I said, who do I think will get the nomination? Who do I think will yeah, win the election? Everyone, or who do I everyone, everyone said the same thing. Right. Who do I personally I like? Because these are all three different answers. And, oh. and then he, so he changed the questions, like, who do I personally like? And I said, well, you know, to be honest, I like Andrew Yang. And, but I know that he's not going to get the nomination. So who do I and back? And that's why Is he it, lost. Yes. That's probably why he lost. That's why I don't he know lost. if that's the only reason why it did. That's he, why he didn't get a lot more votes in Iowa. Cause I trust me, I was there. And that's People the thing. made the same calculus that you made. Right, and that's the part of the party party politics. Well, one of the part uh, aspects of party politics I don't like is because we're trying to guess who can win but the nomination, because, who can win the election. It's because it's because of our flawed voting mechanism. If we had ranked choice voting, you wouldn't have to worry about this. Exactly. Either either ranked voting or voting on the issues themselves. And no, I mean that. Like, I mean that's too that's too radical. I mean, because then it... we become California. It's like ballot referendums, and then it's oh, I hate that. like that at all. But that's what you're talking about. Voting on the issues themselves is California. Yeah, yeah, California's a mess. It's like right it, it's a fail. It's a fail. Yeah. So I would I would definitely say, like ranked choice voting would be the first thing I would push for. Um, that and term limits, if I ever got elected. Ter well, term limits. Oh, I see. And the in Congress, yes. Yeah. Yes. Term limits in Congress and in the Senate. Get these dinosaurs out. D-I-N-O-S-A. You yeah. are a dinosaur. You don't understand technology. You understand shit. Get the fuck up. Move stage right. And then be like a Senator Emeritus. Maybe we have like a we'll have like Senator Emeriti and like they will help opine because they're the wise men. Let's elevate them. Let's but get them out of the fucking Senate so we can do some real work. Well, one would argue the reason why the you know, both uh, on the in the House and Senate these um, representatives keep getting voted in is it's 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 up to the people to vote them in or not no people it's not do not vote no it's them not out. the game is rigged I, the system well, is rigged. I believe it's not you... it's because they have money it's because they have money and name recognition the system is rigged if you have money and name recognition you donald j trump yeah the system is rigged if, if you have money and name recognition you can win presidency uh, even if you're totally unqualified that that may be true, but Donald I, J. Trump. I feel How like is that not true. I feel like I feel like well, I think I think the burden is on on both. Um, I I think well, the system sure. needs to be fixed, but I yeah. think the voters need to carry some responsibility. You know how many hours of civics we teach in high school today? Oh, none. I know, which is terrible. Actually, and so where are people going to learn? I actually did learn. I mean, back when I was in school, back I, when I was in school too, I actually I, learned. They something. made us watch how a bill becomes a law. Well, beyond Nobody that, watches it anymore. <laughs> it, it, yeah, our, well, our, I think our schooling went a little beyond My that. I understand the three. Men. She's in Tenafly. Yeah, like I shouldn't say that. She's in a New York City suburb that's quite nice. There's a strong and AP U.S. history is the only fucking U.S. history they do, and it's optional. 
<laughs> that's fucking wrong. Yeah. Yeah. So that's another whole whole system so that's failing gonna us. So blame people? Yes, the education system's totally failing us. Yes. I'm going after that. Yes. With One Love Capital, LLC, Incorporated in Wyoming, 2020. Uh, can I, I can I do my pitch because I got to finish? Absolutely. Finish your pitch. All right. So One Love Capital, LLC, is designed to fix these problems by fixing the most important problem, which is love of money. Love of money, I think, is the root of all problems. And so does Jesus. He says the same thing. I, I, anything, I'm just a Christian. Like, I'm a bad Christian at times, but I'm just a Christian. But One Love Capital is designed to replace money with love. I mean, that's how, it, that's why the name is One Love, One Heart. You know, that's why the name is what it is. And so the way that we're going to do that is we're going to create companies that do not believe in long-term shareholder value. The person that said that Milton Friedman won a Nobel Prize in the 1970s for this idea that corporations should just care about long-term shareholder value, which is just another way of saying corporations should be greedy, long-term greedy. And that single idea, if you trace back to income inequality between frontline workers and CEOs, led to this. Up until then, the difference between the average CEO and the average frontline employees is like 20x. Post that, it's, it's, it's mushroom. I think it's like 300, 400x today. I, I don't know. You look at the numbers. Yeah, it's, it's huge. Yeah, but trace it to the 70s. Trace it to no fucking Milton Friedman winning the fucking Nobel Prize for this stupid ass concept, which is just wrong. It comes from that. You got to identify the inflection points and figure out what happened. And in the 70s, late 70s, when he won that, all of a sudden, guess what? Greed became good. And what did that lead to? Wall Street, 80s. Like, literally, watch the movie, Wall Street. It was made in the 80s. Gordon Gecko, Masters of the Universe. Greed is good now. Now, every single business, fucking Universe Chicago. Fuck you, Universe Chicago. And, like, Enrico Fermi taught at the Universe of Chicago. So I love Enrico Fermi's Universe of Chicago. I fucking hate Universe of Chicago economics department. They're full of idiots. They're literally full of idiots. A lot of them have Nobel Prizes, but it just means how stupid they are. I get emotional. Passion's good. Can be. Can be. I, 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 just to throw Milton Friedman the bone, he also talked about the need for UBI. And nobody did it as shit without. But then again, so did Martin Luther King Jr. Talked about the need for UBI. Nobody did shit with that. We're, I'm going to do shit with UBI. Universal basic income, for those of you not in the know. Uh, so since that point, income inequality exploded and companies got resorted for long-term shareholder value. And all it did was preserve white male privilege. I'm just going to say it. If you look at the boards, pretty much every Fortune 500 company, if you look at this, the management teams, count the number of white males versus the average percentage of white males in the population. And guess what? They over-index. Anytime one group over-indexes, guess who under-indexes? Everyone else. Is it really because the best talent is there? No, it's not. So how are we gonna fix that? 
Well, we're going to raise companies that actually first focus on mission, right? That care about doing the right thing. And then we will teach them how to operate. I got 11 minutes. I got to land this. So listen, the way it works is um, my first job was an investment bank. I quit because the culture was shitty, right? We would celebrate when we took advantage of people. And that's not me. I quit after two weeks. The head of HR was like, You're, this is the biggest mistake you've ever made in your whole life. And you'll ever make in your whole life. You're going to regret it till the day you die. Pretty white woman, pretty white blonde woman, always the head of HR. I don't know why. I said to her, maybe yes, maybe no, we'll see. But just a quick note, uh, in 2008, they went under completely. They don't exist anymore. I know. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Well, actually, they only exist as part of... Uh, Merrill. Merrill? Yeah. Merrill. Yeah. Most... So the people are fine. And then I taught high school. I taught physics and math at Brooklyn Tech. And I loved it because there's so many skills that you learn about, like how to present, how to teach, how to get ready, how to show up. But I got chewed out by both the teachers union as well as administration because I used to tutor every free period. So, you know, like I only taught five classes a day. And so I had the eight periods. I had three periods for open for tutoring each day. And they were like, you can't do that. I was like, what do you mean? They're like, you can tutor max of one free period per, per week. I said, well, not all my students have that same period free. And they're like, that's not our problem. That's yours or theirs or whose. That's not our problem. They said, look, young buck, you're full of energy right now. You're making the rest of us look bad. Stop it. <laughs> and that outraged me that we have a system it's not designed for the students. You know, it's not designed for its actual customers, it's designed for its interests, or it's designed for teachers and it's designed for administrators. And then I, 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 as I reflect back right now, right? Whose fault is that, right? The people that go into teaching, do they do it because they're assholes? No. The people that go into school administration, do they do that because they're assholes? No. Whose fault is it? It's the fucking system. It's the leadership at lack thereof. It's like, it's, it's our fault. It's our collective fault because we accept mediocrity, right? And we don't, and like there now, if you look at charter schools, there's a whole bunch of better ways to operate, a whole bunch. And yet the teachers union and the school administrations are resistant. Look, this fucking bullshit needs to stop, right? And so what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna create companies that wanna solve this problem where their mission will be like improve K to five education. And that'll be their mission. And then they'll, get, they'll earn profits and the profits they are earn will be a reflection of the fact that they're hitting their mission or not. And then if we find other companies that is also the same mission, improve K to five education, they're not competition, they're cooperation. We both have the same fucking mission, right? And all of the tools, all of the tools I've learned in my travels in Bridgewater and Gardner and Mike McKinsey, all of those tools I will make in the form of a consulting service that I give away free to these companies and that they can level themselves up because I had a set of shitty choices, JJ. I could either make money and be meaningful in this world or I could go hug trees and sing Kumbaya. And I want my daughter to have a better fucking choice, which is something in the middle, something that does well by doing good where now the CEO of these companies will make 20X the average employee, which is still a shit ton of money, right? 
but they don't need to make 200 or 2000 X the average employee. And then if you're in this company, the set of ecosystems, you operate by these principles, right? And then you even have these levels, right? So the levels, by the way, there's a zero missing here. Zero, one, two, three, four, five, six. That's it, just six levels. Zero, intern, we pay for your expenses. You learn a shit ton. One, associate, entry-level position. Two, manager. Three, director. Four, VP. VP is basically a vice president. You're acting like you're acting like senior leadership. Five, full partner. You get the same share that I get. You actually get more power because I'm not going to vote, right? So these are voting partners. Six, GCM. And that's me. GCM stands for grounded because I'm grounded. I talk to everyone exactly the same way. Conceptual, I am conceptual. M is for motherfucker. Because <laughs> if you fuck with my people, I will fuck you. Like I swear to God, I will fucking kill you, right? As appropriate, as appropriate, as appropriate. Not literal, GCM. yes. No, no, not, not quite literal, but depends. It does depend. I don't want to be GCM. The burden is very heavy. If I find someone that's a more grounded, more conceptual, and more of a motherfucker, then I will gladly give them the six, and I'd rather take the five, the full partner. Because the GCM just has three powers. One, they get to set the agenda. Two, it's the fucking VP in the Senate, right? If there's a tie, I break the tie, right? That's, only, that's the only vote I get, I get to break ties. Three, three, because I'm such a motherfucker, if I see people playing the wrong levels, I have this ability to, to demote. If someone is a five, but they're actually a four, I will demote them. Um, and then I also have the ability to fire and I'll fire anyone that's an asshole. And then that gets to then the talent model, MVAS. Uh, M is for maturity, V is for values, A is for abilities, S is for skills, E is for experiences. Skills and experiences, I can read off a resume. I will never talk about that in the interview process. MVA, M stands for maturity. I can't build teams with assholes. Do you care about yourself and yourself only? Or do you care about something larger than yourself? And this naturally comes out in conversations. Are you an I person or are you a we person? I, me, my responsibilities, my team, my objectives, my goals, my, my, me, me, my, me, 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 I, 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 I'm, I, I'm a child if I don't talk about we and us and our and our community and our, and our challenges. So that's the M. Right, the M is for maturity. V is for values. We don't have enough time to talk about values, but what I'd say is there's no such thing as bad values. Values are a trade-off of one good thing versus another. If you think there are bad values, you're probably conflating V and M together. A stands for abilities, and I believe there's just two main abilities. There's abilities in the world of ideas, and there's an ability in the world of people. You need to have the ideas so you know what the fuck to build, but you need people to build the shit. And if you don't have if you don't have abilities in both, then you won't pass you won't pass probably level three, right? Like you, and then we'll coach you obviously to make sure that you can do it. But everyone is capable. It's just a matter of where's their comfort zone. And again, skills and experiences are are largely bullshit. Like you know, you just like it's you just happen to do this thing. Like I don't give a shit. Where the question is, are you world class? If you're world class in that thing, then I will listen to you. Otherwise, it's like let me teach you. Okay, right. so I landed everything except one, but we're at 957, so it's probably best for us to stop 
and then if you want to have any questions, I'm 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 open. So so all the the that whole structure that you described. So is this uh, applies to your one capital for everything? Everything. I see. Every portfolio company that I take over. Ah, okay, yeah. Uh, every portfolio company that you'll take over. Uh, if, if I raise three bills, I'll be buying or doing a lot of buyouts. Right. Through One Love Capital. Right. LLC. Yeah. And the first fund name that we're going to raise three bills is STL Fund One, which stands for Speak, Truth, and Love. So, um, yeah, I think... Uh, I feel like we covered a lot of different a subjects. Lot. But uh, we, we did the thing I wanted to do. Yeah. And we did the thing you wanted to do, which was talk about Andrew. Um, AY. As well, no, it. right. That was that was the initial outreach to you because I knew that you were part of his presidential campaign. So, I, you know, I just wanted to know. I actually, if you yeah. look at my LinkedIn, you can see the, the, the speech I gave as his precinct captain, which I thought was pretty good. I thought that was funny. Um, I saw it on uh, Instagram, which was uh, maybe a shorter version. Um, yeah. You, yeah, you actually went up and I'm like, and then you said, hi, my name is Andrew Yang. You were joking. And, and, and everyone like, believed me. Everyone thought I was like, hey, we got Andrew Yang. Yeah, I saw a whole bunch of people started tweeting. Right. And I was like, wait, is my are my eyes deceiving me? I thought that was Richard. And then and then you, you know, uh, came clean about that. <laughs> like, uh, but um, no. One Asian brother. When you've only met one Asian brother, we all look alike. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but here's the thing. Uh, I think I think, you know. Anyone that you're not familiar with, they all kind of look alike. True. Yeah. When I first came to the True. U.S., everyone looked True. alike. Uh, when I go to a you know different environment, like new school, new new job place, everyone looks alike in the beginning until True. you find distinctions and stuff. But um, but anyway, uh, yeah, I think we covered. I feel like we we sort of skimmed though. Uh, well, on a yeah, lot of different there things. are many levels there's there are so many, many levels, levels and I, I feel like we could definitely have multiple conversations about anyone or any whatever you want things. my time is yours as I said JJ you're a dear old friend adopt yeah so yeah so, so whatever you need I'm happy to help with. let's definitely have you come back and we could dig deeper in some of those things but the uh, truth I, is I'm not happy at eight <laughs> I, I print ten and so what I really want is at least a nine but like an eight is kind of like, oh. Uh, oh, no, no, no. I know. I purposely gave you an eight. <laughs> I know. It's like, because, oh. Because I. <laughs> Sorry. I can do better. No, no. I woke up late today. I mean, JJ knows I have COVID right now. And I woke up late because I was sleeping because I was prioritizing my health. But um, I also knew we could land the plane in the time that we had. And yeah. so, but that landed me an eight. I think if I was on time and ready, you would give me a nine. My guess. Uh, well, uh, here's the thing. I think I think we definitely need need more time. So maybe that Probably. that's the thing. It's like I definitely. Go. I know you got to go. Apologize. So I just want to thank you. Thank you so much, Richard, for, you for for this conversation. Me. This was amazing. Yeah, this was fun. Yeah, let's definitely do it again. And thanks amazing. everyone for yeah, listening. Uh, you can find Beer Cake on Anchor.fm, Spotify, and YouTube. That's nice. Beer Cake nice. with JJ Co. And or Zen could, Places, you can find me, you know, on the same place. Yeah. Mainly Twitch and YouTube. There you go. Zen Places on Twitch. All one word. Zen Places, all one word, on Twitch and YouTube. Um, definitely check him out. And I'm definitely going to follow your your progress and running for Congress and uh, eventually for president. Yay. I, and I could say, hey, I know this guy. 
Well, let's not let's not talk about presidency until I win the congressional seat. Sure. Okay. I don't okay. want to put the cart before the horse. Yeah. Okay. Well, it's out but there. But you now. did ask me my dreams. So. Yes. Yes. All right, Corbama. <laughs> Cor Salazar, right now. Cor Salazar. Cor Salazar. Okay. Cor Salazar. Onto your. Uh, uh, my my next meeting is texting me. I gotta run. I love you. Okay. Bye. Bye, everyone. Bye.